during the course of the offseason, they were pressured and tested to try to turn around this rebuild and put something special together. And after a sluggish start to the season, the New Jersey Devils were able to go on a historic run that saw them break a lot of team milestones, some NHL milestones, and, of course, some players were able to break some personal milestones, led by Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, Dougie Hamilton, Vitek Vanacek. This New Jersey Devils team has proven a lot of people wrong and have made a lot of people look outright foolish. And why stop now? The time is here. The time is now. It is game one of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs for the New Jersey Devils as they take on their cross-river rival, the New York Rangers. Why stop now? Let's keep proving a lot of people wrong. John Chick of Locked On Rangers is here to do a pregame crossover. It's game day. Buckle up, everybody. Your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Welcome back, Ranger fans and Devil fans. Very special crossover edition for you guys here today. This is John Check with Locked On New York Rangers, joined by my good friend Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils. And uh, Trey, I figure we might as well just get into it, man. You know, this is a highly anticipated playoff series here. Uh, biggest storylines uh, for the Devils, you know, this season coming into the playoffs here and uh, just how they got here and what they need to do to, uh, to put their best foot forward. Absolutely. So the New Jersey Devils actually broke the NHL record for biggest single season point turnaround with 49 points so it going into the year I knew the Devils had some sort of potential I just didn't think it would they would be this good quite honestly because when I did my preseason mock um, my mock uh, standings I picked the Rangers you know with all due respect and I also picked the Hurricanes as my lock to make the playoffs and then I said maybe the Pittsburgh Penguins but I said the New Jersey Devils, I think they can sneak into the wild card or maybe be a wild card caliber team because I was like, the Penguins are getting older. The Islanders are getting older. The Capitals are getting older. I always felt as though the Columbus Blue Jackets were a little overhyped just because, yeah, I get that they got Johnny Goodrow, but they're still the second youngest team in the entire NHL. And then we know the situation with the Philadelphia Flyers. They were pretty much a non-factor from the beginning. So that was my mindset. I was like, if the Devils can stay healthy, if Jack Hughes can take a few steps forward alongside with Jesper Brad, if he's able to maintain what he did last year, if Nico Heischer is also able to take a few steps forward, you have to factor in that Dougie Hamilton, he was rebounding from an injury plague season last year. So, and some new additions, including like Eric Halla, Andre Palat, Brandon Smith. So, just solid players who know how to play their role. If they're able to do that, then I think the New Jersey Devils were definitely going to take a couple steps forward. But the biggest thing that they had to fix was goaltending because their goaltending numbers across the board, most of them were like almost last in the entire NHL. In fact, I think their save percentage was last in the entire NHL combined with all those seven goalies. So that that was the thing for New Jersey Devils. And Everything just fell into play. We got Timo Meyer at the trade deadline and went on that 13-game win streak uh, back in back in the first half of the year. Jack Hughes, he was just one point shy of getting 100 points, but still finished the season with 99 points. Uh, Nico Heischer, career year for him, 80 points. 
Jesper Bratt repeated uh, the same numbers they did last year. Timo Meyer has been a solid addition. And basically I can go on all day about how much the New Jersey Devils have improved during the course of this year. But the main thing is like that 49 point turnaround single season most in the entire NHL. No, it's been tremendously impressive to, to see what they've done. And uh, we were talking for a minute, Trey, before we even hit record here. And it's interesting because I feel like you and other Devil fans, you guys are kind of experiencing this season what I got to experience last season where, you know, the Rangers, you know, I mean, coming into the season, I don't think really a whole lot of people had them going to the playoffs. Uh, last season was the third year that I did Locked on Rangers. It was also the first time that I said, okay, I expect this team to make the playoffs. And once you get there, you know, it's kind of gravy and you get some experience and you just see what happens and you see where the cards fall. And uh, lo and behold, they end up having a really fun, really impressive run uh, through the uh, through the Stanley Cup playoffs there. But um, yeah, it's just been, uh, it, it's been very interesting to see these two teams walk sort of a similar path where, um, you know, they were, they were down for a while. They went through the rebuild. I think most teams did a lot of more things right than they got wrong as far as, you know, trades and draft picks and free agency and all that stuff. So uh, it's been interesting. And uh, something else that I've noticed, Trey, and this is something I wanted to ask you about, man, because uh, even when both these teams were kind of down a little bit, like two years ago, three years ago, you know, we do these crossover episodes every now and then. It feels like every time they play each other, even when they're not all that high in the standings, it has like kind of a big game, big fight feel to it. Um, did you sense that? And did you think that this matchup was going to happen this year uh, in the playoffs that these two teams kind of be on a collision course? Well, that's actually been the discussion since like January or something like that. But you you hit the nail on the head, which was, I think if you recall, late in December, early January, the Metro was really tight. And the New Jersey Devils were struggling at the time. So I was like, if they lose any more games, they're going to drop a couple positions in the Metro. So like when the Rangers came to town to play the Devils in early January, I was at, at the at the Prudential Center. I was sitting in the press box. I was covering the game. And that was pretty much a must win for the New Jersey Devils because you got to get that point separation between you and the Rangers. And I also spoke to Alan Creda who covers not only the New Jersey Devils, but he covers the New York Rangers. He covers the New York Islanders for the Associated Press. And he agreed, which was pretty much all the matchups between the Devils and the Rangers had some sort of meeting. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, John. It would have been nice if the New Jersey Devils got the first position in the Metropolitan Division. However, I think the Rangers are a better matchup for them because th during the course of this season, the Devils are actually 3-0-1. and one against the Rangers. So we have not lost to you guys in regulation. So I think this honestly falls into the favor of New Jersey because the Devils have had their sort of back and forth with the Florida Panthers, particularly Nico Heischer and Matthew Kachuk. And I'm just like, it's been an uphill battle to try to even beat the Florida Panthers. So um, I, and I just think the Rangers, even though you guys are good and all, I'm not trying to underestimate you guys in any sort of capacity, but I think, just compared between what happened between the Florida Panthers and the Devils and what happened between the Devils and the Rangers, I think the Rangers will cause less issues, at least from a non-hockey standpoint, like no fighting or no like like just unnecessary drama, no goons coming at our, our star players in, in, in unnecessary fashion. So that's where, that's where I think the, the matchup kind of falls into the favor of uh, the Devils just a little bit more. But yeah, this is something I've, I've been looking forward to. I think the fans are looking forward to it. I expect for Madison Square Garden and the Prudential Center to just be even of uh, red and and uh, blue kind of thing. Yeah. Like you got to see if red fans supporting the Devils, you got to see if blue fans supporting the Rangers. So that's definitely going to be uh, something interesting to see. But 
yeah, I think this is a matchup is actually going to be it's actually going to be really cool. And yes, bragging rights and pride are certainly on the line. And if you know me, I'm not going to hold anything back. Oh, I hear you, man. I hear you. You're, you're pretty active on Twitter there. And uh, I, have, I have a lot of fun following along with you there. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure hopefully Twitter can survive this because like you said, I, I think both fan bases are really ready for this. They're very excited. And uh, for sure, you know, a lot of bragging rights, a lot of pride on the line here. And I really do think, you know, whichever team comes out of this series, uh, they're a threat. You know, they're, they're a threat to take it a lot deeper than that. Certainly, it's not going to be easy. The, the Eastern Conference playoffs are absolutely loaded this year. Um, but uh, one other storyline uh, for the Rangers that I just wanted to throw out there is I feel like uh, somebody for sure that's going to be under the magnifying glass for them is going to be Artemi Panarin. And I don't know how much of the playoffs you got to see uh, with the Rangers last year, Trey, how many games you got to watch. Uh, you know, you look at his stats last year in the playoffs, and they weren't bad. You know, 16 points in 20 games. Uh, that's solid any way you look at it. And, of course, the the Game 7 overtime winner against Pittsburgh. And uh, God help us if, if if Rangers-Devils go seven games and goes into overtime. I don't know if I can handle that again, Trey, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, um, but, yeah, I you gotta, know, overall last year. I got to ask you this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but no, you're good, man. As soon as you're finished, uh, you know, telling some of the concerns that you might have for the Rangers, uh, he, uh, you know, I explained like what my expectations were going into the year. I know the Rangers were in the playoffs last year and obviously they made a huge surge. And so I would love to hear your thoughts as well as to like, what were your expectations sort of for the Rangers going into the season? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I definitely ex- expected them to kind of like pick up where they left off and, and, you know, once again, be a contender um, getting back to Panarin real quick though. Like, like I think there were times where uh, he was a little bit indecisive last year in the playoffs, a few too many turnovers, just didn't look like the bread man. You know, we're, we're so used to as Ranger fans seeing him go out there and basically just be a magician with the puck and, um, you know, just create offense pretty much out of nothing. I mean, the, the windows that he fits these passes into, I mean, you don't think there's a passing lane there and he basically just uh, wills one to be there. Uh, we didn't see enough of that last year in the playoffs, but I'm hopeful that he'll turn it around because um, down the stretch here, Rangers have played a couple of playoff intensity type games against teams like the Lightning, teams like the Hurricanes. And I think Panarin's been at his best in those games. So I think the tide is kind of turning there. And he's played well in the playoffs, like in the past with, with other teams, you know, the Blue Jackets the one year. Um, so that's going to be interesting. But yeah, no, as far as coming into this season, man, you know, I definitely expected the Rangers to be a contender. I, I figured um, they would definitely get to the playoffs. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I did not think the Devils, I, I thought they would be improved. I didn't think they'd finish uh, ahead of them in the standings, but I mean, that's why you play the games. That's why you play the season. It's, it's a lot of fun to see teams, you know, uh, exceed expectations, fall short of expectations. There's always a really interesting story being told, you know, with every professional sports season. And uh, we're certainly getting that this year uh, as well. And um, Trey, I definitely want to ask you about, you know, some key players for the devils. And I figure we can get to that in just a second. Uh, but first we do have to let everybody know here that today's episode of locked on New York Rangers and locked on devils is brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Please remember to gamble responsibly. 
Amen. Amen. And uh, Trey and I would certainly like to thank everybody for making Lockdown Rangers and Lockdown Devils your first listen every day. Uh, we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And uh, yeah, Trey, like, like we were just talking about, man, you know, I, I figured we can dive into uh, you know talking about some of the key players on each side. And uh, I'll let you go first, man. I figure we can kind of just go back and forth here. I mean, I can probably guess a couple of players, maybe one or two at least, that, that you're going to go to here. But, um, you know, key player, who, who's somebody that jumps out for you that's going to have to have a big series and get the job done for the Devils? Okay, so my MVP for the New Jersey Devils. Can you take a guess who I'm going to say? I would say Brat, but I, I feel like it might be somebody a little bit more under the radar. No, I'm going to I'm – go, uh, people might say, anticipate that I'm going to say Jack Hughes, but I'm not. I'm going to say Nico Heischer. He's going to have okay. to be – our MVP, because according to Ryan Novozinski, who's a beat writer for the New Jersey Devils of NJ.com, he tweeted out saying that 33 of Thomas Tatar's 48 points came when he was paired with Nico Heischer, 15 goals and 18 assists. When Dawson Mercer joined Nico Heischer's line on February 16th, he exploded, exploded excuse me, with an eight-game goal streak tied for the longest in franchise history and a 12-game point streak. So Jack Hughes has had an amazing year. He, like I said, he was able to reach 99 points. However, Nico Heischer also had a career year and was able to reach 80 points. So in my eyes, I think Nico Heischer, he is going to have to be the MVP for the New Jersey Devils. He is our most valuable player because going into the year, just to give you some perspective, Thomas Shatar, he was literally on the brink of being uh, put on waivers by the New Jersey Devils because we had to anticipate that Alexander Holtz and Fabian Zettelin we're going to make the opening night roster for the New Jersey Devils. So it put a lot of people on the hot seat, including Thomas Shatar, who last year did not have a good showing with the New Jersey Devils. He had spurts of it, but at the end of the day, it wasn't really all that fantastic. It wasn't anything to write home about. So Thomas Shatar had to show out in preseason. He was able to do so, paired alongside with Nico Heischer. And once again, Thomas Shatar had a big year for the New Jersey Devils. Dawson Mercer, uh, early on this year, he was heavily underrated. He was not utilized correctly. He was put on the third line. He was put on the fourth line, brought up to Nico Heischer's line, and Dawson Mercer was able to explode and turn a lot of heads. I'll repeat it. On February 16th, he exploded with an eight-game goal streak tied for the longest in franchise history and a 12-game point streak. So Dawson Mercer, we know he's a dog. He suited up in all 82 games last year for Devils. I believe he suited up in all 82 games this year. So he's been an he's been an Iron Man for the New Jersey Devils. So I think Nico Heischer, our captain, he is going to have to be the MVP. Jack Hughes will do Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes is uh, obvious. Sometimes the best player isn't always the MVP. It's most valuable player for a reason. So I think Nico Heischer is the more valuable player on the New Jersey Devils because Jack Hughes will put up the numbers. But if you want to compete for a championship, if you want to compete for a Stanley Cup, you need someone like Nico Heischer just to hold down the fort, just to hold down the anchor. He, he's a great two-way player. I don't think uh, me saying like he could potentially win the Selkie Award at some time in the near future is out of the realm of possibility. So Nico Heischer is my guy, MVP for the New Jersey Devils. Now, yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's an important distinction, you know, between best player and most valuable player. Because, yes, Jack Hughes, kind of the headline grabber, and he's the one that's putting up all the points. But somebody like he sure, I think to your point, Trey, uh, he's going to have to be big time in this series for you guys. Um, I will give you the same question that you just gave me. Uh, who do you think I have as the Ranger MVP? Well, we talked about Panarin. Uh, we talked. Uh, what about Zabanajed? That's That's it. You nailed it. 
Yeah, there so uh, as far as Mika goes, you know, he's going to do what he does offensively. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of saying the same thing about him that you said about Hughes. I, I think he will, you know, put up some points in the series and throughout the playoff run. But to me, uh, the biggest thing that Mika's Zibanejad is going to bring to the table is going to be his defense. Uh, he has really emerged as one of the elite two-way centers in this league. Uh, there's nothing more you could ask for from a, a top-line center. It's funny because the Rangers, they tend to, like, shuffle the line combinations quite a bit. And the one player that never really seems to move, the one guy that's always anchored to his spot is Mika Zibanejad on that top line, you know, doing his thing. He's always on the top power play unit, on the top penalty kill unit. Uh, whoever the two wingers are that are out there with him, he'll find a, a way to make it work. And I just think that, you know, the Devils, with the weapons they have, and uh, I checked this earlier, Trey, fourth in the league in goals scored this season, you're going to have to, you know, find a way to shut these guys down. And Jack Hughes is scary. He's been a little bit of a Ranger killer uh, early in his career. So I think oh, because I of Manjad, yeah, he really has, man. He, it, it's scary when, when he's got the puck. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Mika, his, his ability to, to maybe, you know, you're not going to completely shut down Hughes, but at least control him a little bit. Uh, I think that's going to be really important uh, for this series. And, um, I'll, I'll pass it right back wait, to you, man. Wait, 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 wait. Before we uh, move on to the next topic, yeah, yeah, yeah. what about uh, Shesterkin? Like, um, uh, cause, uh, obviously Shesterkin was like in the running for, uh, MVP last year, wasn't he? If I, if I, or, or, Vez, or, uh, Vesna or something yeah. like that, he was basically making a lot of headlines. But, yeah. uh, if I recall in the last game between the Rangers and the Devils, Shesterkin, what, uh, Shesterkin, excuse me, was definitely holding down the fort in between the pipes for the Rangers and it was making it hard and he was making it hard for devils to put one past him. Devils had a lot of good looks. Unfortunately, uh, Shesterkin was just, you know, robbing them point blank. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he's been great this year. I think, you know, it, it's one of those things, the season he had last year and he won the Vesna last year. He was a finalist for MVP, did not win that. Um, but um, the, the thing with him, I, I would never hold him to that standard every every single season because last year he put up video game numbers. I mean, it was just ridiculous what he did. And I, I think earlier this season, he, along with a lot of the team, uh, really struggled with some inconsistency. He had some rough games early in the season. Uh, he has played his best hockey down the stretch. His last 10 games, he's allowed two goals or fewer in eight of them, hasn't allowed more than three goals in any of them, and um, two shutouts mixed in there as well. And just looking at the eye test, you know, uh, he just looks like Igor Shesterkin. He looks like the guy that won the Vesna last year. So uh, he's obviously going to be big. Uh, Trey, we've seen examples in the playoffs where, you know, a really good goalie will take a so-so team on a pretty deep run. And we've seen the opposite. We've seen, uh, you know, a really good team held back by some shoddy goaltending. So uh, Igor's going to be huge. And I, I think Vanacek, I might as well ask you about him too, man, because one of the more uh, important under-the-radar free agent signings, or, or pickups rather, uh, this off season. So uh, what are you seeing from him and uh, how much of a re re relief is it for you to have a goalie that can, you know, stop the puck? Cause you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, the devil's goaltenders certainly struggled a little bit last year. Absolutely. So VTech Vanacek uh, in terms of wins, he was able to get 33 this year. So the last devil to reach that certain number of, of wins was Martin Brodeur. So yeah. we're talking about like VTech Vanacek basically going toe to toe with one of the greatest goalies, to ever play the game. Obviously, Martin Brodeur holds the devil's record for most wins in a single season. But in terms of, you know, reaching 30, uh, Banachek broke into it. So you see Martin Brodeur, you see Martin Brodeur, you see Martin Brodeur, and then you see Vitek Banachek somewhere down the list. So Vitek Banachek has been huge for New Jersey Devils. So uh, he finished uh, the season with a record of 33, 11, and 4. He has a goals against average of 2.45. 
and a save percentage of 9-11. So Vitek Vanacek has just been huge for New Jersey Devils. And similar to uh, Shesterkin, uh, he was able to make grade-A save after grade-A save after grade-A save. There have been times when the New Jersey Devils really shouldn't have won the game, but it's Vanacek keeping him in that sort of matchup. So uh, Vanacek has just been a huge addition for New Jersey Devils. He's been better than, honestly, what I anticipated because I remember during the course of the offseason – I was talking about potential options that the New Jersey Devils could go for. So I talked about Holpe. I talked about Kemper. I talked about Vanacek. I talked about Huso. So, and I said, maybe the realistic option would be Vanacek, restricted free agent. You're going to have to trade for him. And Devils were able to trade for him on draft day. And Vanacek has become a, a fan favorite. And I think come next year, given how much he's impressed in a Devils sweater, I think Vitek Vancek will have a better chance of getting his name into the running for the, the Vesna trophy if, if he's able to repeat his success from this year. But obviously that's down the road. Playoff time, Vancek is our go-to guy. Akira Schmidt will be our backup. And I think Mackenzie Blackwood, his days as a New Jersey Devil are numbered. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. And, and to your point, Trey, sometimes, you know, we see this not even just in hockey, but really in any sport where, you know, somebody has this breakout season and there's maybe a little bit of skepticism and maybe they don't get the recognition they deserve. But to your point, I think if Vanacek, if he has the kind of season next year that he did this year, uh, you're right. I mean, he could be right in the, the mix for a uh, Vesna trophy. And I mean, like you said, man, what a turnaround in the goalie position for the Devils. I say the only reason why his name wasn't brought up is because if he was hypothetically in the top three or the top five, it would have been the most out of left field, like name in the running in recent history, quite honestly. Yeah, I but agree. I think this was the year for him to turn some heads, get his name out there a little bit more. You see the devil's success. You see their points totals. You see their win totals. And then come next year, the devils will have higher expectations. They'll look at the goalie position and then, uh, you wouldn't be crazy to maybe make VTech Vancheck your top three or your top five in terms of the Vesna trophy voting. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I figure we can both throw out maybe like one more name here, one more big, you know, player that's going to have to come up big for our teams. And uh, Trey, the floor is yours, man. Give me one more devil that uh, you're looking at somebody that's going to have to come up clutch for your team. Okay. Let me ask you this players who are X factors or players who needs to step up. Um, you know, what, whatever you want to go with, I would say X factors, you know, just guys that are going to have to have a big series for you guys. Okay. Let I'll go with, uh, players who have to step up in order to become an X factor. And that's going to have to be Andre Palat because Andre Palat, the reason we got him was because he was supposed to be our backup free agent signing because the devils, unfortunately, during the course of the off season, they struck out on Fiala. They struck out on Debrinkat. They struck out on Johnny Goodrow. They struck out on Matthew Kachuk. So obviously, Andre Palat was the safe face. He was our backup option. We we paid him, what, five years, $30 million. So, and unfortunately, Andre Palat, ever since the Devils got Timo Meyer, unfortunately, the numbers just haven't been there uh, in terms from a scoring standpoint. So it, to give you some reference, the last time Andre Palat was able to score, you would have to go back to March 7th. That's right. So, and we're in mid-April right now. So it's been over a month since Andre Palat was able to find the back of the net and score. So this year for the Devils, he has appeared in 49 games. He has eight goals, 15 assists for a grand total of 23 points. Now, earlier this year, he was injured and he had to have surgery to repair uh, a groin. But during that 13-game win streak, he was not a part of it because of that groin injury. And now he's back into the mix. He comes back and 
He was able to show spurts of maybe amounting a comeback. But then once the Devils got Timo Meyer once again, he just fell out of favoritism. Or And I know he played for the Tampa Bay Lightning, but that team is more established in my eyes. And obviously they're full of veterans. So they're used to like having to like split the load or just say, okay, this person has to get their point. That person has to get their point. That person has to get their reps, whatever case might be. Devils are still trying to figure it out because you got Hughes, you got Heischer, you got Brad, all young players that need to try to develop in the correct way. They're not grizzled veterans. And then for Timo Meyer, sort of the same way, a little older than those three, but still relatively young. And he's trying to get accustomed to a new system, especially come playoff time. But Andre Palat needs to step up big time. We're paying him good money. And, but the one thing I could say is that Andre Palat, he tends to step up his game come the playoffs. And I think you, you might remember that because last year, Andre Palat appeared in 23 playoff games. He had 11 goals, 10 assists for a grand total of 21 points and a plus minus of plus 10. So that's what I'm hoping from Andre Palat. Andre Palat, if he wants to be a crucial X factor for this Devils team, he needs to step up in the playoffs, similar to what he did last year. Because when you look at those championship runs by the Tampa Bay Lightning, one of the more underrated players was Andre Palat. So here it is again. Andre Palat, here's your chance to prove like th- that even though you're an underdog, you could still uh, provide a huge spark to this Devils team. And obviously, he's won something in the past. So, And that veteran leadership does not go unnoticed in the locker room, doesn't go unnoticed on the rink. So Andre Palat, that's my guy who needs to step up in order to become beneficial for New Jersey Devils during their playoff run. Absolutely. And I think, you know, he's certainly capable of doing it for all the reasons that you just mentioned there. And I mean, Trey, that that's the beauty of sports, man. You know, you can make people forget about a so-so regular season, maybe a little bit underwhelming for uh, Palat his first year with the Devils. If he goes off in the playoffs, nobody's really going to care about that. And Absolutely. You know, you seal yeah. your you seal your legacy in the playoffs. And unfortunately, Vitek Vancek last year with the Capitals didn't really have that good of a showing in the playoffs. I know some circumstances didn't really go his way, but at the end of the day, I think that's why Capitals fans were like just so, so when he was dealt away to New Jersey, but one man's trash is another man's treasure. So same question to you, who is your X factor or who is a player that needs to step up in order to uh, be beneficial in this series? Can I just throw out a name? Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah. Is it Kako? Is it, is um, it Kako? It's actually not. I, I feel all right about Kako. You know, I, I feel like the kid line did, did pretty well in the playoffs uh, this past season. And uh, they've played very well down the stretch. You know, Kako had a goal in the, the final game there. Uh, I'm sure he'll be out there with Hedl and Lafreniere, and that'll be the Rangers' third line. I will say this about the kid line, though, while we're on the subject. I have been saying this and saying this on this podcast uh, pretty much since last season uh, when the Rangers you know, started to get going a little bit and uh, it was becoming pretty obvious that they were going to be going to the playoffs. When that kid line like truly reaches that next level and, and they've gotten better, it's just been very gradual. But that's when the Rangers truly become scary because, you know, Panarin, he's going to be Panarin. Mika's going to be Mika. Kreider's going to be Kreider. Fox is going to be Fox. You got Igor Shesterkin in net. Uh, that is when, though, the Rangers become scary. When, when that line just goes off, I'm hoping it happens sooner rather than later. Um, I'm hoping it, you know, starts with game one of this playoff series, Trey. But uh, we'll see how that whole thing goes. Um, as far, though, as like kind of like an under-the-radar player, um, you know, I would say Ryan Lindgren. Um, you know, he's somebody who I think Ranger fans are definitely appreciative of what he brings to the table. Just a good, hard-nosed, solid defenseman. Um, not really a whole lot of flash to his game. Kind of old-school uh, gritty type player, a uh, hard hitter too. Um, but, you know, you look at the Ranger defense and you, you think of Adam Fox, you know, he won the Norris not too long ago. Uh, Jacob Truba tends to get a lot of attention. 
I know other fan bases tend not to like him very much, which, which is fine. Uh, Keandre Miller, also an up and coming, you know, star player. Looks like the, the sky is the limit for him. Um, so Lingren tends to fly a little bit under the radar, but uh, you look at the playoff series against the Penguins last year, they didn't really have him for much of the first four games. And the Rangers just like forgot how to like play defensive hockey. And, and you had that situation in Pittsburgh where they got lit up in both games, games three and four. Igor was pulled out of both of those games. Ryan Lingren comes back in game five and the entire series swung. And obviously he wasn't the only reason, but he certainly, uh, you know, provide a lift to, to the defensive portion of the Rangers game. And so, uh, again, he's not somebody that, that grabs the headlines, but uh, he's somebody that I think is going to be very, very important uh, for the Rangers. And his style of play translates absolutely beautifully to the playoffs. I got to ask you this. Um, obviously, the Rangers were pretty busy at the trade deadline period. Devils were also busy. I talked a little bit about Timo Meyer and how uh, he's actually been pretty solid for New Jersey Devils. The advanced analytics show it sure more fans would like more assists and goals but I think come playoff time Timo Meyer will come alive he's helped a lot on the power play for New Jersey Devils because they were like 18th in the league just a few weeks ago and now at the end of the season they're in the 13th position so uh, Timo Meyer has definitely helped in that sort of way but I got to ask you how has Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane been because Patrick Kane is probably the greatest American player to ever play the game, I talked about the Devils possibly getting Tarasenko. I was always a fan of him for a couple years now. I think he could be – I thought he could have been a solid uh, get for the New Jersey Devils. But I know Kane is on kind of on the other side of his better days, but still it's nice to have that person in New York. So got to ask you, how is Kane and Tarasenko – how have those additions been for the New York Rangers? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, especially with Tarasenko. Kane, a little bit mixed results so far, but – I'll start with Tarasenko since the Rangers uh, traded for him first. I was thrilled by it. Um, I said when we were approaching the trade deadline, because I'm like you, Trey. I like doing those trade speculation kind of episodes and Silly you know, season. we go after. And it's a lot of fun, you know, just to kind of speculate. And for what it's worth, I, I even talked about Timo Meyer a little bit. And, of course, he ends up with you guys. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, Tarasenko, the, the Rangers, to me, going into the trade deadline, by far their biggest weakness was at right wing. Um, you know, when you have the kid line together, that's usually the third line. So that means Kako is going to be on the third line. And, you know, on the top two lines for the Rangers at right wing, you had everybody from like Barclay Goodrow to Jimmy Vesey to like Dryden Hunt at the start of the season. Uh, Sammy Blay was even on the top line and they, they since traded him, but um, he was on the top line like in the preseason. They just didn't really have anyone to go to. I mean, Goodrow and Vesey can get the job done there, but I think they're better suited, both of them, uh, for, you know, a bottom six role. And so going into the deadline, I said, you know, if the Rangers pick up two players, you could make a case that they should both be right wingers. But Trey, never in my wildest imagination did I think they would get Tarasenko and Kane. I thought at least one of them was likely, if not probable. Um, but, you know, they, they go out and they get Tarasenko, and that was awesome. I think he's fit like a glove. Um, you know, I really liked uh, the line when they had Mika centering Panarin and Tarasenko, and they've since switched it up a little bit. Now you've got uh, Panarin, Trocek, and Tarasenko. Uh, but that works for me. You know, Trocek's really done a, or uh, excuse me, Tarasenko has really done a great job and uh, just kind of seems to fit in very well with the team. Um, as far as Patrick Kane goes, um, you know, he's done all right. He's got a couple of points here and there. He's had his moments where, okay, that looks like vintage Patrick Kane. But I don't know that we've really seen Showtime Patrick Kane yet. You know, we haven't seen that guy who, as you mentioned, uh, could be, you know, the greatest American player of all time, the guy that's played more than 100 Stanley Cup playoff games, obviously the three championships. Um, we haven't quite seen that version of him yet. And my hope is that you know, he's a little bit older now. He's 34. Maybe he was, you know, saving a little bit in the tank for the playoffs 
you know, when the Rangers traded for him, it was pretty obvious that they were going to be going to the playoffs. So uh, I'm hoping he has another, another gear to go to uh, when the postseason begins here. And uh, we'll see if that ends up being the case. But um, it's kind of like you mentioned with Palat. You know, there, there's a chance to, uh, if you're Patrick Kane, you know, really write an amazing legacy for yourself. He's already a legend in Chicago. Nobody can ever take what he did there away. Even if he only plays this half season with the Rangers, if they somehow win the Stanley Cup, he'll be a legend in New York too and only have played here for a couple of months. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. When I think of Patrick Kane on the Rangers, I just think of Michael Jordan on the um, on the Washington Wizards, quite honestly, which is, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it, it might be cool and all, but at the end of the day, Patrick Kane will forever be a Chicago Blackhawk. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Blackhawk for sure, but uh, uh, that won't bother me if the Rangers make a deep playoff run here and he, he's putting up some points. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. But Trey, man, I, I feel like we could sit here talking hockey pretty much all night if we wanted to, but uh, we, we should probably get to uh, what I'm sure everybody's wondering, and, and that's predictions. And uh, once again, I'll let you go first, man. What do you got here for this series? Okay. The Devils have never lost to the Rangers in regulation during the course of the regular season. They are three zero and one. And the one time they lost was uh, like, I, like I said, back in December overtime and the devils have outscored the Rangers 14 to 11. It seems like every time the Rangers have momentum, the devils just have a response. I remember that game back in January when Jack Hughes went off and basically uh, helped lead the devils back to uh, just winning once again. I remember the last game of the year, uh, Shesterkin was just um, on one. You know, it seemed like uh, Shesterkin just wasn't going to let anything go past him. So that was definitely a difficult task, but enough beating around the bush. I'm going to say Devils in six. I think this is a better matchup for them. I think uh, it's going to be a competitive series. I think uh, – Obviously, when you got uh, Igor Shesterkin just in between the pipes, I think he's going to handcuff the Devils a couple of times. Obviously, you know, uh, Panarin is is obviously a big-name player. Zibanejad, um, Fox, and Kreider, Miller, all those guys are, are going to try to assert themselves against the New Jersey Devils. And But at the end of the day, I think the Devils, as long as they don't play down to the competition, as long as they were able to do what they were do, doing during the course of the regular season – I'm going to have to say Devils in six just because of how the regular season has gone and just the amount of weapons that the Devils have on the offensive end. I didn't even talk about Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton tied the franchise record for most goals in a single season by a Devils defenseman that was previously held by Barry Beck of the Colorado Rockies back in the late 1970s. So Dougie Hamilton is also a big uh, offensive weapon as well. And defense is pretty solid. Uh, sometimes they can make boneheaded plays, but as long as Vitek Vancheck or hopefully – uh, fingers crossed it's Schmidt as the backup. Hopefully uh, when that time comes, I think the Devils uh, I think the Devils will get out of the first round because that's my goal for them. Get out of the first round so that way people know you are legitimate for years to come. I hear you, man. Um, I am going to go with the Rangers. I'm going to say seven games. I, I feel like uh, for all the reasons we talked about earlier, you know, when, when these two teams have played each other in recent seasons, and again, this goes back to when both teams were down in the standings and both had losing records and both were trying to, you know, put the pieces back together. These games just have a big fight feel to them. And anybody that's listening to this that, you know, maybe you're just checking this out um, because, you know, you're a big hockey fan and you want to get the the preview of every series. I can't recommend this series enough. And, and Trey, I think you'll back me up here. Um, obviously, we're both a little bit biased here, but I mean, the stars on both sides of, of the ice in this one and uh, the rivalry re reaching a fever pitch, it's just going to be a ton of fun. And, um, 
you know, like I said, it just always has a big fight feel to it. And with that being the case, I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, really competitive games, a lot of games that are one by one goal. Trey, I think we're getting at least two games going into overtime. I'll say each team wins one. And I no say shootouts. Uh, no shootouts, no shootouts. Yeah, thank time. God. I mean, I, I like the shootout for the regular season, but keep it far away for the from from the playoffs. Um, right. But yeah, I'll say Rangers in game seven, they go on the road and they win by a final score of three to two because, you know, God knows they're not going to make it easy. So I'll say Rangers three, two in game seven. All right. We'll see what happens. Obviously, it's going to be a competitive series. I got Devils in six. You got Rangers in seven. So We'll see what happens, and if you want to place a bet, make sure you head over to FanDuel um, and and do so. But, John, I think we've talked about everything. We talked about MVP. We talked about X Factor. We talked about uh, how our teams got to this point, and we also asked each other, like, questions in regards to, like, how our, our teams are built. So, once again, this was uh, really fun to do. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, man. I always have a lot of fun doing these crossover episodes with you. And, uh, I mean, hey, you know, it could be a long series. If you want to do another one of these after one of these games, you know, I'm all for it. All right, that sounds great. All right, awesome. So, Ranger fans, Devil fans, hockey fans, thanks as always for tuning in and uh, for making Locked On Rangers and Locked On Devils your first listen every day. And we will see you guys next time.